hey, hey, hey. I'm oh. getting in air. <laughs> what's up, what's up? Welcome back to the blockument.com. I'm over here vibing on the intro song and stuff. <laughs> um, all right. So, welcome to the blockument. Yeah. Crypto education through everyday conversations. And oh, I said it today I am without so even reading proud of the you. script. Yeah. I'm finally learning it after like 20 plus episodes. Yeah. And we're 20 plus episodes in yeah. at this point. Yeah, we sure are. And we almost had our first tactical difficulty, but um, my phone and I saved the day, so don't worry about it. I memorized the tagline and mm -hmm. you've gotten over the tech hump. Yep, and now I'm IT, so don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> you run our new security protocols. Perfect. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Awesome. Have a, a, hope you're having an awesome Sunday morning. Because we certainly are. We certainly are. And if you weren't, hopefully this changes it all. And if yeah. you're not listening to it on a Sunday, then happy Whatever day, day it ends is. and why day. Yeah. Yeah. What block height are we recording this at? Um, okay. But <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, we skipped our introductions. Oh, man. See, you get we some things really... right and you get the rest wrong. It's because I'm hyped up off this coffee. It's not even my breakfast bourbon. Yeah, uh, right. Don't believe me, folks. Let's let's go right. <laughs> let's go back a little bit. Hey, everybody. Hi. I'm Nate Talbot, the executive director of Detroit Blockchain <laughs> Center, and to my right is. I am Ashley Rose. I am your everyday mother. I am an online reseller, and I'm on a journey to figure out what is going on in the crypto, Bitcoin, blockchain world. We all are. Yeah. I, I think. You're not going to be able to say that too much anymore. I'm going to still say You're that. You're going to be like, I'm beyond my journey. I'm in the middle of a... <laughs> I am the journey. I am the journey. <laughs> All right, now what block height are we at? Oh, look at that. Look at that. In, in that time, we, we did a new block. So that's good news. Okay. Oh, yeah, just now. So we are on block number 800,936. And the block size was 1.81 megabytes, which is 4,721 transactions. And the total fees and subsidies were uh, 6.332 Bitcoin, which is comprised, or which uh, totals 185,990 US dollars. And the winner of that uh, is Antpool. Ant pool in the house. Yep. All right, all right. I had a, a quick question for you that I think some people might ask. I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> um, I often say, what's the block height? Do you know why do we say block height? I know that you've answered this before. Um, because oh, wow. it's the, like, the block that's on top of all the other ones. The block that's on top of all the other ones. Like the newest block, and it's on top of the ledger. Yeah, that's just the way we think about blockchains, right? Uh, whether you're talking about proof of work or proof of stake or whatever, um, there is no height, right? Wow, there's a... Yeah, block. something's going on right now because you're just mining out of control. Within three over minutes, we just got three blocks confirmed. That's a lot. At least it happened after I was able to get the first block. Yeah. Out. Um, we call it block height because the further the it's the language we use, right? So it's like um, a block is confirmed when that's a settlement. When a new block is confirmed. We say height because we think of it like being buried. Mm -hmm. And the deeper you bury a block, mm -hmm. the harder it is to unbury it, to change it. Okay. Right? And so the more secure it is, the more you can uh, be confident that the information in that block is valid mm -hmm. and that you have the, 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 the correct information. So most chains, we've talked about this a little bit before, right? This is why... Um, some when you're doing peer-to-peer -peer, if you're using like an exchange or something when you send actual crypto they'll say you need x amount of block confirmations before we actually allow you to do anything with this you told us you gave us you know a thousand xrp mm -hmm. but we need like 60 confirmations to be yeah. sure you're not yeah. scamming us and so you think about burying it and that's why they say height even though it's not like a blockchain is vertical 
doesn't actually get taller. Right. Yeah, that was absolutely a better answer than mine. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um. So anyway, what are we talking about today? We are talking about uh, something that I didn't even think about as a topic, really, until mm-hmm. it was brought up. Um, basically, do blockchains talk to each other? Should blockchains be sharing their secrets with other blockchains? And can uh, can they? Sharing their secrets with the world. Hmm. Like, can they talk to each other? Yeah, I don't know. So don't ask me a question, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll make a statement instead. <laughs> Ashley is about to share with us all oh, geez. whether she knows of any blockchains that can talk to each other. Ashley? Do I know? <laughs> Over you, Ashley. <laughs> do I know of any blockchain? I'm Probably I do because of the way you framed that question. You're probably like, oh, but you do. No, no, no. None that I can think of off the top of my head i mean do they talk to each other i don't know i it makes me think of oracles but i don't know if that's like what i should be thinking about um and then what else i don't know i think of maybe bridges i think thinking of maybe all the wrong stuff or all the right stuff i'm not sure i think you're thinking of everything that um somebody would be thinking of uh in that regard, but I would say that's not really what people mean when they say talk to each other. Um, so the short answer is some do already. The question of should they is a much more speculative mm-hmm. question. Um, and whether or not, I think to add layers to this, mm-hmm. I think whether or not they should or shouldn't is irrelevant. Um, because if you can, mm-hmm. can they stop you from doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oh, we should rewind back a little and step through that step by step so yeah. we can get it. Yeah, so please. what we're talking about generally is interoperability. So you might have heard the interoperable word. Um, everything you mentioned has to do with that. So bridges, especially bridges, oracles hint around to it. Um, there's these things called atomic swaps, mm. right? Um, you might have heard the concept of wrapped. Yeah. You have wrapped Bitcoin, wrapped ETH, wrapped Avalanche, wrapped USDC, wrapped all these things. Yeah. Um, there. So let's break it down. What does interoperability mean? It just really means can this one thing communicate with another thing? When you're talking about computers, right? Think of uh, Macs and PCs. Can my Mac talk to your PC? I uh, don't think so. Yes, they can. Oh, they can. Um, <laughs> yes, they can. Wait, it, like, it like, used like to AIM, be a, like that, like, like that talking. Like AIM. Mm-hmm. Like AIM, like toothpaste. I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, like, like if I'm over here on a PC and you're over there. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, like AIM, like the Yahoo Messenger or thing. Or you mean you mean like the actual? Computer. No, the actual computers. Can my computer talk to yours? Okay. Um, Still, I don't. And know. yes, the answer is yes. It's it used to be very complicated because they had different languages, mm-hmm. right? A Mac is built off of this Unix. This is very techy, and you don't really have to understand what I'm talking about. But uh, PCs used to be based off of. Um, I don't know what their core language is, but they use DOS as the intermediary language in its own operating system. Sure. Um, But Windows is sort of Windows. Macs use Unix, which is sort of like Linux, which is based off like this open source software stuff. And it's like asking, hey, can this person who speaks German speak to somebody who speaks Portuguese? And on its face, no, you can't, right? Because... There's, I mean, they can talk to each other, but they don't know what the hell they're saying. Right. Um, and so you have, you learn, you figure out ways to bridge that gap in communication. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with blockchains. You have to figure out a way to bridge that gap in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's take Bitcoin and Ethereum because those are always the two I bring up, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a self-contained blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. The only thing Bitcoin at its current state, at this block height, even though we're flying through block heights, I'll slow down a little, but um, at this block height, right, um, Bitcoin only knows what's happening on Bitcoin, right? Mm-hmm. All, every Bitcoin that was ever minted 
was born on the Bitcoin blockchain. A Bitcoin coin does not represent anything external to the Bitcoin blockchain. And so when you have a Bitcoin, it was born on chain, it will live its whole life on chain. You can check its provenance, its, its history, all the way back to the time it was born from block zero, block number one, mm-hmm. all the way up to now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's Bitcoin's world. Uh, Ethereum, on the other hand, only knows what's going on in the Ethereum ecosystem. So you can have some ETH tokens, but all they know is what's happening in the ETH world. And the only things they can interact with is other things within the ETH world, like ERC-20 tokens, mm-hmm. which are built within the Ethereum round, right? Mm-hmm. So Ethereum knows all of that stuff. So you got Ethereum and ERC-20s and all it knows. But Ethereum doesn't know what's going on in Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't know what's going on in Ethereum. They can't talk. One okay. speaks German, one speaks Portuguese. Okay. Right? They have no idea what each other is doing. So when you talk about interoperability, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about how can we get Bitcoin to talk to ETH and ETH to talk to Bitcoin. Right. Right? And maybe they don't talk to each other. Maybe Ethereum just learns how to speak Bitcoinese <laughs> and then does things from that. But Bitcoin has no idea about Ethereum or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Right? That's also possible. Um, That's the current world of blockchains. That was the original state of blockchains. Are we still on the same page? Yes. All right. Now, uh, over the past few years, you have a couple chains that are like, well, we're going to live in a multi-chain world. I'm quoting the multi-chain, right? Mm -hmm. Because then it's like, what does that sort of mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So you have some people who believe there's going to be one blockchain that rules them all. I think that's probably definitely true for proof-of-work type blockchains um, for the most part because of how proof-of-work works, which we won't get into here. Mm -hmm. Um, But as you learn more about proof-of-work, it doesn't really – there's security risks in having more than one proof-of-work chain because it's easy to attack other chains. Again, we won't get deep into depth. If you want to know about it, hit us up and ask us, and we'll do an episode on how proof of work works. Mm -hmm. Um, However, on proof of stake, that's not as much of a threat, right? Because everything in proof of stake is already sort of internal to itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could have dozens and dozens of proof of stake chains as long as there's enough of an economy to support it. There's nothing inherently, if you do proof of stake Ethereum, there's nothing inherent about doing proof of stake on Ethereum that could attack proof of stake on Avalanche, mm. right? Um, so some people are like, eh, w- proof of work is the only thing. And since that's the only thing, you can only have one. And if there's only going to be one, it's going to be my chain. And since that, you can't have a multi-chain world. Other people are going to be like, well, no. Nah, Maybe with proof of work, they don't believe that. Mm -hmm. And definitely if they're a proof of stake system, like, well, that doesn't apply to us. We're going to have a multi-chain world. Then you have some chains like Cosmos and um, I think Avalanche is structured now to be like this. And the one I can never remember that's always popular. I always forget the damn name of this blockchain. It's a very Polkadot. Polkadot and Cosmos definitely set up this sort of interchain world. So I'm going to use Cosmos because I'm most familiar with that system. Okay. But they all generally work in the same, just approach it technically different. So Cosmos says, if you're a Cosmos chain, there's Cosmos, the token, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then there's Cosmos SDK, which is this blockchain architecture, all right? Okay. We're talking about Cosmos SDK, not Cosmos, the blockchain. Okay. All right? The Cos- Which is built off of Cosmos SDK, but they're mm-hmm. just separate, especially for this conversation. The Cosmos approach is, look, Ethereum says you're going to have one blockchain and you're going to build a bunch of applications on top of that. And then those applications can talk to each other because they're on the same operating system, which is Ethereum. Right. Right. It's like I'm going to have a Mac and then I can have any application in it because it's using the Mac to talk to each other. Right. Cosmos is like, that's not going to be good for Ethereum. Right, because it's too much. You're going to have these scalability problems. You're going to have these 
you know, a lot of different issues with everybody trying to say, use pull from the same resource because you have to think of blockchains as a public good, like a lake, right? Um, this common one good that yeah. people are all people are going to draw from it. And if you're doing something like Bitcoin, th theoretically, where all you're doing is money, mm -hmm. it's like, all right, we're just sort of doing base money, right? We're not trying to do DeFi, you're not trying to do it on chain. Yeah. And so maybe there's a way to scale that easily without causing too much conflict. With Ethereum, it gets a little bit tougher because you're not just doing base money. You're doing base money, plus you're doing a, a total finance structure with NFTs and DeFi and people trying to do identity tokens and all these different things. Um, there's a lot more pull on that public good resource. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I said like a lake, but you could yeah. also think like electricity. Mm. Texas goes down all the time in the winter because so many people draw from this grid. Yeah. And the grid can't handle it. So there's a concern with like something like Ethereum. What if the grid can't handle it, right? Mm -hmm. So Cosmos is like, well, you have that approach. What if instead of having one blockchain that all these apps are built on, that then can communicate with each other. Instead, we build this blockchain architecture that everybody can sort of use the base design. Mm -hmm. You can add and remove features as you sort of so need to. But now, if you have an application, you just generally start your own blockchain, right? Okay. So you have your whole chain, and then that chain, because you're using this, this language protocol, right? That can't chain, if it chooses to, can flick this sort of switch, and it can talk to every other Cosmos SDK blockchain. And that's because it's within the system. It's because it's built within the system, okay. right? But they're all unique. They're sovereign blockchains. Each one is their own little nation, mm -hmm. and you have the chance. So for an example, if you've ever used um, Binance Smart Chain, Binance has like two blockchains. Okay. People don't really know that. There's the Binance chain, which is basically a copy and paste of Ethereum, okay, right? Yep. That, all you really do is hold the tokens, and you can stake the tokens or whatever. Is that one BNB? Is that um, Yes. Okay. And then you have Binance Smart Chain. Okay. That's the one where, like, all the activity is, where people are minting NFTs and doing their own DeFi stuff and all that. That is built off of a version of Cosmos SDK. Okay. It literally is Cosmos SDK built on that they modified. Hmm. Now, they won't turn the switch on. They just don't want to. Because um, they want to be like. Right. And maybe they've modified the code so much at this point they can't. I don't know because yeah. it's a very centralized sort of system. Mm. <laughs> I don't even know if it's public or not. Um, but they are a Cosmos chain, Binance Smart Chain. Same thing with KuCoin's blockchain, which is another exchange. Um, these are all Cosmos. Almost every exchange that has a token, mm -hmm. it's a it's a Cosmos SDK chain. Oh, wow. And all of them, if they chose to, the only one that I know that does do it is uh, Crypto.com. Okay. You can flick the switch on, and you can then talk to every other Cosmos SDK system that flicked the switch on. It's almost like Star Trek. If you ever watch Star Trek, they have like the little <laughs> communicator oh. in their ears so they can talk to different species. Oh, wow. No, and the I communicator know. just let you just translate. Everybody can talk in their native language and it translates a form in their ear. Wow, nice. Right? So it's sort of like that with Cosmos. Polkadot works something similar. I think Avalanche has something similar but as well. But you have to opt in in order. For but you have to be part of that. You have to opt into the communication. Well, in Cosmos, you have to opt right. in. I'm not sure about Polkadot and Avalanche. Okay. Um, so that's your interoperability. So it's like, are they sharing their secrets? They're built to do that. Because I have an app, you have an app, but now we want to do DeFi. Right? Mm -hmm. So I have an app that only does stable mm -hmm. coins. And you have an app that has an exchange. And then Alice has an app that has NFTs. Mm -hmm. And we want to connect. We all turn on the channels. And now I could trade the stable coins I generated for NFTs using your exchange because we all talk and it's native. And if you architect it right, mm -hmm. right, you can do this in a permissionless, trustless way censorship resistant way right it sort of meets those characteristics that you want which is powerful mm -hmm. right um can i ask you a question quick really no <laughs> so I'm talking we, here so when yeah <laughs> don't interrupt me <laughs> so when when 
we're saying or when you're saying like talking mm-hmm. what what exactly are we meaning by that are we meaning like you can trade this coin for another coin and that's talking or are we saying like um yes yep that's it basically because that's all the blockchain is really good for is having these unique property assets okay and keeping track of those unique property assets so let's let's make some further clarification right There's a world of things you can potentially do with blockchain technology, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That you can at least try to do. We're going to make the assumption we're not dealing with real-world assets. I'm not talking about deeds right now on a blockchain because that's created externally. I'm not talking about music because that's created externally and placed Mm -hmm. on. There has to be trust that what you put on chain is on chain. Right. Right. But we can talk about NFTs that are born natively. So like um, if you think on the Ethereum world, um, CryptoPunks, mm-hmm. they are born on chain. So a lot of people, a criticism, a lot of NFTs are, well, it's just a link to a picture on a server someplace else. That is true for most NFTs because it's expensive to keep the picture on chain. Okay. CryptoPunks is on chain. So you're not getting a link to some external. If you got a CryptoPunk, you It's born on chain. You can track it from its birth. Mm. You don't have to trust anything about it, right? Um, uh, Same thing like if you're on Bitcoin and you're doing something like an uh, an inscription or something. They're sort of on chain. They're not linked off chain as long as you're doing on chain assets. So we're only talking about on chain assets for clarity. And then, of course, any token that you do, if you're making your own token for something that is on chain, it's born on chain, does whatever, right? Um, and then we're also only talking like Cosmos. Well, we're well, starting with Cosmos, but okay. this applies for everything, okay. right? Okay. For all of this conversation, we're talking about assets that are born on chain. Because once we go off chain, mm-hmm. a lot more speculation comes into mm-hmm. play that yeah. we won't jump ahead to. Well, get that's there. why I'm trying to understand like this. So, yep. so if you have like an NFT that you got from the Cosmos, um, I guess you call it ecosystem. Yep, we got Alice Chain. And she makes NFTs. Right. And let's say you wanted to um, trade that for... Um, like Nate coin. Yeah, like Nate coin. You're mm-hmm. saying the talking would be, hey, let's swap. Like, uh, this is this one F- NFT is worth, like, seven Nate coins. So let's, let me bring up a problem. Okay. Right? Before we get to the solution. Okay. You have an NFT. NFT stands for... Non-fungible token. And fungible means? Question mark. Fungible means question mark. <laughs> it's a non-question mark token. Yeah. Um, fungible means not unique. Okay. Right? Oh, yes, that's right. Right? If I got a dollar bill and you got a dollar bill, we can swap it and we still both have a dollar bill. Okay, yes, yes, yes. But if I have a Picasso and you have a Basquiat, yes. if we swap, yes. we haven't done a fair I trade. I like I need to be told this like 78 more times, but one day I'll get it. Yeah, well, one day I will get the applause. It takes 85 <laughs> times. <laughs> um, so a non-fungible token, right, is supposed to be unique. Right. Now... If it's an open source, if it's a public blockchain, permissionless and trustless, Mm -hmm. that means it's also open source, right? Mm -hmm. You have, Alice has the NFTs, right? Right. It's Alice Chain. She makes these NFTs. It's the hottest thing in the world. It's bigger than Bored Apes and all that, (laughs) right? Yeah. It's the hottest trend, but it's open source. So I take that and I copy it. I copied the whole blockchain. Yeah. That means now there's two of these NFTs because I copied everything. Yeah, that sucks. It does suck, but now... Which one is the real one? Well, right. Right? That's A, an issue with anything non-fungible. Which one is the real one? Um, and then let's say I have Nate Coin and you have Alice NFT. Mm-hmm. And you want to take your Alice NFT and move it over to my chain so you could do DeFi or something. Because mm-hmm. I can do DeFi with Nate Coin. You can't do that with Alice Chain. Mm-hmm. If you you have to find how do you get that chain how do you get that NFT off your chain onto my chain mm-hmm. without duplicating the NFT because if you duplicate it you've just killed the non fungible part right 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 and so here's a real world example Ethereum recently migrated from proof of work to proof of stake mm-hmm. the proof of stake is an entirely different blockchain than the proof of work it's a whole different blockchain right. You had a bunch of DeFi happening on Ethereum proof of work. Mm 
Right. So I took out a loan, right? I put in some Ethereum mm-hmm. in Aave, which is a, a a lending protocol built on Ethereum, okay. right? Mm-hmm. I put in one Ethereum and I borrowed, let's say the whatever the market price is, I borrowed $500 worth of USD C. No, it doesn't really matter. A stable mm-hmm. coin. Mm-hmm. I borrowed $500 in the stable coin, right? Mm-hmm. So I got $500 of a stable coin, right? Mm-hmm. Which are supposed to be backed one to one by dollars. Right. Right? So now I can take that 500 USD and go trade them for $500, right. physical dollars, right. right? Now Ethereum forked and it has a new proof of stake chain. Right. It copies. All a fork is is it copies itself. It's right. copy and paste. Right. Technically, now I have a thousand dollars. Yeah, but only five hundred dollars is backing it. Yeah. Which ones are the real ones? Well, Can I get a thousand dollars? I just poof make a five hundred dollars out of thin air. Wait, but did you? It depends on how it's backed. But this is, becomes the problem. You see the problem. It's about the problem here, yeah. right? So, the problem is not how do you deal with that. Well, whoever is backing that one to one. USDC or circle in right. this in this specific case mm-hmm. has to make a declaration. We only are going to respect USDC that's off the proof of stake chain or off the proof of work chain. They have to make that declaration. So does that proof of work chain still exist? Technically, yes, as long as more than one person is still mining it. Is more than one person. Or person's. one person is still mining. Is, is, is somebody mining it? I, I know they tried. I don't know what the current state is. They were trying to make it a thing. ETH proof of work. Some exchanges even started picking it up. But this was the problem with that. Yeah. Theoretically, that could work when when Ethereum first split. There's Ethereum Classic and Ethereum Now. And that whole thing with the DAO, go look it up or ask us and we'll do an episode on it or something, happened. Ethereum had to do another fork. They hard forked. They were still mm-hmm. proof of work, but they had to do a hard fork, which unlocked all the ETH that was locked up during that sort of attack. So it's been forked three times? This was the third official hard fork, yeah. I mean, Ethereum forks all the time, but as far as contentious forks, Mm -hmm. this was the third. It is nowhere near as contentious as like that first one. This is the second one. There was the Dow fork, and then there was this one. So the two major forks. Half a lot of people in the community weren't for it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right? Um, So the Dow happened. You needed to unlock the ETH, but the only thing happening on Ethereum back then mm-hmm. was ETH. Mm-hmm. There was just ETH. Yeah. There weren't really any DApps that meant anything. There definitely weren't stable coins. There definitely wasn't DeFi, right? None mm-hmm. of that stuff was happening. And so they forked, and so you have ETH Classic and Ethereum, and if you held, Ethereum Classic is the original Ethereum. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to get too far off and lose it, you or anybody else. Meaning but proof of work? This is all proof of work. Okay. In 2016, okay. Ethereum had this crisis. Mm-hmm. It was proof of work. And there was an attack on a DAO, the first DAO. Mm-hmm. And they had to say, do we live with the attack and lose something like 20% of all Ethereum in existence. It might even be bigger than that. Or do we do a fork and they didn't really reverse, but they quasi-reverse it. Do we undo the hack? Yeah. A lot of people in the community were like, no, code is law. Sucks. Yeah. Lesson learned, stop writing shitty programs. Yeah. Right. Or do we reverse it, quote unquote, because... It didn't really reverse, but do we reverse it, unlock the money so people aren't pissed off with a loss and then never come back to Ethereum? This really yeah. could have killed Ethereum, Yeah. right? Um, so it sounds like they did reverse it. Well, they did reverse it, right? And that's the Ethereum everybody knows sort of today. Okay. Ethereum Classic is the original version. The DAO still has lost all that money in the original version, mm-hmm. right? So you forked, but all you forked, and this is what's relevant to the conversation, all you forked was Ethereum, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you were there and you had that locked up and you came back, let's say I didn't do the DAO, I had Ethereum. Now, if I had 1,000 Ethereum tokens, now I have 1,000 Ethereum tokens and 1,000 Ethereum Classic uh, tokens, yeah. 
right? So I've right. doubled that money supply. But those are Ethereum's fungible, right? Yeah. There, I'm, there's never a claim that one Ethereum token is very unique to every other Ethereum right. Ethereum token, right. ETH token. So it is what it is. Now, if the market says ETH Classic is garbage, the price of those Ethereum tokens will drop. Right. Which is what happened. Okay, yeah. Right? And most people follow the new Ethereum chain. Right. And that is the continuation. So even though that is the fork, mm -hmm. that is the real Ethereum because that's what the majority said. That's what consensus was. Okay. This happens in Bitcoin. This happened in Bitcoin like 50 times between 2016 and 2018. Oh, right? Wow. Um, so this happens, right? Um, that was simple to solve. Now, when they did the next fork, mm -hmm. which was moving from proof of work to proof of stake, right. the stakes were higher. No pun intended. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but accepted. Yeah. Um, the stakes were higher because it's not just ETH that you're cloning. When you move over to proof of stake, yeah. you basically have to blow up proof of work because you got NFTs. They're supposed to be unique. I have a bored ape. I don't mm -hmm. have a board ape. Don't come rap. Well, it's not really worth as much anymore, so you wouldn't. But I don't have a board ape. <laughs> but if I had a board ape yeah. on proof of work, when Ethereum cloned a proof of stake, now I have two board apes of the yeah. same thing. Yeah. So I either just cut the market value of my board ape in half because now there's two. Yeah. Or we have to come to a consensus that this proof of work one is garbage. Yeah. And it doesn't count for anything. It it exists out there as long as somebody's mining it. Yeah. But it's not. When you're talking about board ape, that is no longer a board ape. This is a problem with non fungible stuff. This is a problem with doing like lending in DeFi on blockchains and things. This is a real because there's this language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Right. How can I have two of something that I'm supposed to have but one if, of? If the other one that was proof of work, if it doesn't have any value. Like if, if the consensus is that it doesn't have value and the price drops, then mm -hmm. that there might be two of them, but the price of that is what's like worth nothing. But that's yeah. not the point. The point is that it's supposed to be only one. There's supposed to be only one. Like you got a house. Your house has value because it is unique. You're sitting on this unique corner that's a high traffic corner, and all yeah. of a sudden I copy and paste your corner. Yeah. Now there's two of them. Yeah. Which one's the real one? Right, right. Interesting. Right? So this is why we say we can't talk about real world assets because it's adds all this new yeah. complicated layers. Already complicated enough with just on-chain stuff. Mm -hmm. So with the Ethereum, the recent Ethereum fork, moving to proof of stake, mm -hmm. the consensus was there was there was a small group of people who were like, ooh, we want to run proof of work Ethereum and we're going to have a whole new token. It would be P-ETH, or I think that's what they were calling it, P-ETH, or ETH P-O-W. I think uh, that's what they were calling it. That would be the proof of work chain. That doesn't work, though. Unlike ETH Classic, that didn't work because you've lost all the value. Right. Stable coins, any backed stable coin is a centralized thing. Right. So Circle and Tether and any other stable coin that's on ETH was just like, we will not redeem any of our stable coins that are on ETH proof of work. Mm. You can only redeem your stable coins for proof of stake. The new copy of The it. new copy. Okay. We are disregarding the old ones. You, the fork happened. If you had the old one, you got the new one. You don't have to take any action. Just don't try to cash both. We'll only accept the proof of stake one, right? So it killed the idea of proof of work. Okay. All right? So you have this cloning problem. That's just with one chain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now... You see the, do you see the difficulty one chain has just in and of itself? Yes, yes. All right. Now let's try to say, okay, we got ETH and we got ETH proof of stake, right? ETH proof of stake, no other version of Ethereum exists, mm -hmm. right? We love DeFi on Ethereum, but we really, really, really want to do Bitcoin in DeFi on Ethereum. Okay. Can I get Bitcoin off of the Bitcoin network mm -hmm. and onto the Ethereum network? And that would be the talking aspect of it. Can That's the talking can aspect. Can Bitcoin talk to Ethereum right. on its network? Correct. Or more importantly, can Ethereum understand what's, at the very least, can Ethereum, because that's where the activity has happened, mm -hmm. can Ethereum convince Bitcoin 
to can it understand the Bitcoin, what's going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem, and can it convince Bitcoin that these tokens are going to this address and they can't move unless something on Ethereum tells them to move? Can Ethereum mm. or a wallet on Ethereum control a Bitcoin address? So can Bitcoin take directions from Ethereum's code? Yes. Okay. Right. If you want to have Bitcoin on Ethereum. Right. Vice versa if you want to go the other way. Right. Okay. Right? So someone basically, so the situation would be like somebody thinks that there's only value in Bitcoin and so they want to do DeFi with their Bitcoin, but the only way to do it is on is on Ethereum. Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, I want to maintain my value in Bitcoin, but I want to do finance. Right. Okay. Like I want to take out a loan. I don't want to sell my Bitcoin. I want to loan against. I got a Bitcoin. I got one. Right. I want to put it on Ethereum. Right. Right now we'll go off the market rate of about thirty thousand for a Bitcoin. Okay. I want to borrow ten thousand dollars. I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I, I want to put. <laughs> uh, I'm stepping on her feet over here. <laughs> um, okay. I don't need those anyways. Yeah. Right. You only need the top <laughs> bottoms. Um, the I'm going to take my one Bitcoin. I'm gonna. I'm going to put it on Ethereum, and hold it there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna borrow ten thousand dollars against it. I'm going to take those dollars, those stable coins. I'm going to cash them out for real dollars. I'm going to take that 10000 and go buy something in the real world. Okay. And then one day I'll have enough money or the price of Bitcoin will go up so much against the stable coin mm-hmm. that I can unlock my Bitcoin and bring it back. Right? So I get my loan. Essentially pay off the loan and get... And get it. my Bitcoin back and then put it back on the Bitcoin network. Right? Okay. Very good. So can I do that is the question. That's, that's the whole question. Right? Can yes. we do that? No. No. <laughs> I thought you could like wrap it. Not in a not in a permissionless censorship resistant way. Oh really? So um, wrapping is well, not... not in a non technical censorship resistant permissionless way. So there's a couple tricks people have used, right? There's these things called atomic swaps. Okay. All right. What atomic swaps allow you to do is directly that. It allows you to basically trick the chains. And so like you're taking your Bitcoin, you're locking it up into an address, and then you're you're showing Ethereum this and Ethereum's minting you the wrapped this this Ethereum. It's really for a coin to coin swap. Like you're not mm-hmm. taking Bitcoin and wrapping it on Ethereum. Mm-hmm. You're saying I got right now I'm just making up numbers for ease of math. Mm-hmm. But let's say Ethereum's worth 10% of what Bitcoin's worth right now, right? Okay. So Bitcoin's 30,000, so ETH is 3,000, mm-hmm. all right? I don't want to take Bitcoin and move it to Ethereum. I just want to take my one Bitcoin and get 10 Ethereum tokens. Mm-hmm. I just want to trade. Mm-hmm. An atomic swap will allow you to do that, right? Okay. I won't get into the tech so it's kind how of, that works, but that's a trade that allows you to trade without using an exchange. Mm-hmm. You can trade one Bitcoin for ten Ethereum tokens in a in a quasi. And do you still get to way. keep your Bitcoin? No, you just traded it. Okay. Now you got ten Ethereum tokens. Okay. You don't have any Bitcoin. Okay. So that's one way people have gone about, but it's very technically sort of complicated to do. You can't just. You're not going to find a wallet that's going to allow you to just swap it like that. The, but that's not what a lot of people want to do. What a lot of people want to do is they want to take their Bitcoin and use it on Ethereum for value. Okay, yeah. Right? And so what they do is wrap it. That's where the wrap concept. Mm-hmm. There is no way to do this. This is what the whole 2021 was all about with all these places crashing. Mm. Um, what they would do is you would have something like Ren BTC or wrapped BTC. These are all different wrapped versions. Okay. What you do is you would take your one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. You would give it to this trusted party who promises they're going to keep it in this wallet and lock oh, it. Oh, there goes trustless. There goes trustlessness. They're going to issue you, they've created this ERC-20 token on Ethereum, okay. and they call it WBTC, Wrap Bitcoin, Okay. right? Or REN BTC. REN, these were like the two popular ones. Mm-hmm. So you're giving it to a trusted entity. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, all right, you've given us one, so we will mint you a one wrapped Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And now you can go on Ethereum and do whatever you want to do. 
And it's basically think of it like a receipt for your Bitcoin. Right. Once you're done doing whatever you want to do, you can go back to that central entity and say, here's my wrapped Bitcoin. Right. Or now I got two wrapped Bitcoin. And now there goes the permission list. Well, because they have it's to permission agree. They have to agree to do it. Yes. Yeah. And you're hoping they're still around. Mm-hmm. What happens when they're not around? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not permissionless. It's not decentralized. It's not DeFi. Right. Right. It's open so, finance, but it's not decentralized. So they think they're being more safe by keeping the value in their Bitcoin, but essentially they're being less safe because of... They're giving their Bitcoin away to somebody. Yeah. And then they're getting this proxy Bitcoin in its place. Yeah. And if everything's on the surface good, sure, great. But what happens when things aren't good? If I have Bitcoin and I run it myself, if I hold it myself and I run my own node, mm-hmm. if I do these two things, if I keep my own wallet and keep it secure mm-hmm. and I run my own note so I can check the blockchain myself I don't have to trust anybody I got my Bitcoin right same is true with ethereum same is true for any of these tokens that are that fit these little rule sets right right if you run your own node and custody your own token mm-hmm. it's yours there is no question there is no debate nobody can take it that's the censorship resistant part it's right. yours right as soon as you start playing these games with it, and in theory, it's yours, but there's no guarantee. Somebody could take it from right, you. Right, 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 right. Right? Um, and that's sort of what happens. And so when you hear about bridges, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned bridges. Yeah. A bridge is a way to get one asset from one chain to another chain. I have, I got, I took my Ethereum, I traded that for Matic, which is already a side chain thing. Mm-hmm. And now I want to take that and swap it over to Avalanche mm-hmm. so I could do some other thing with it, which is a whole other chain. There's no way all of those chains directly talk to each other. They use bridges. And bridges are just, they're more decentralized versions of like how rap Bitcoin worked. Okay. But they're still centralized because a few people have keys to those bridges. Right? So when I send my ETH over to Matic, right? If mm-hmm. I would go from ETH to wrapped ETH on Polygon Network, which is the Matic token, right? Okay. Um, and they're about to change their name, so that's all going to be different. Oh, my gosh. Um, but what at this block height was known as Polygon <laughs> and Matic. Yeah. Um, when I change, send my ETH to, to there, mm-hmm. there's a small coalition of people I'm trusting that be, while I'm making that hop, mm-hmm. They're going to do it. They're going to actually do the hop. So you heard there's like all these, like I think it's like, billion, I can't remember the exact number. It's like $100 billion or something that was stolen over the past like 18 months in, in crypto. Wow. This is all done through bridges mm-hmm. because you sent your money to the bridge and as soon as your ETH or Bitcoin or whatever hit the bridge, yeah. they either had a bug. Yeah, the troll got it. The troll under the bridge. But, but more, <laughs> it either got hacked or it was a rug pull. Yeah. And they took it in the in the mist. So the bridge was was like um, a malicious operating thing. Yes. And stole the money. And stole the money. Wow, really? That's how that all worked. So like, if I wanted to be like, oh, I'm 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 I can code and program. I'm gonna make a bridge. Everybody send me your money, and I'll send you whatever you want back. Oh, just kidding. It was a scam like that. Yeah. Wow. Either you don't send them nothing, or you send them the rat thing, but you kept the real thing. Right. See the whole the whole concept of the wrapped thing right. is that there's a real thing backing it up somewhere. Right. Right? Well, so they think. Well, that's the concept. Yeah. Just like with stable coins and all that. There's a dollar backing up the dollar stable coin. There's an actual physical dollar sitting in a bank so account. So it's or like going someplace. off of the gold standard for the kind of you get this sort receipt of, there's something backing and there it. might be something backing you or there might not be something backing it. Right. What backs Bitcoin? the energy put out or well that's sort of yes <laughs> but the belief that bitcoin the good. belief she's gotten good talking <laughs> about her journey um yeah the the belief that that means something is right. what makes bitcoin valuable yeah right that's what gives it a price mm-hmm. people believe it so therefore it is right mm-hmm. what backs wrapped bitcoin the belief that their bitcoin is still there when right. They, when they turn their receipt in. Exactly. So on a Bitcoin standard or an Ethereum-based standard mm-hmm. or on an Avalanche-based standard, on any of these native coins, mm-hmm. all you need is people believe in the native blockchain right. for it to have some kind of value. 
right? Oh, because you could sell the receipt. Even if well, there's it, no even receipt. If, I own it. It's This is it. I can look on chain. This is the whole point of blockchain. No, not the wrapped. Mm. The original. Oh, okay. The original Bitcoin, the original ETH. Right. I can look on chain and see these are originals. I have them. Mm-hmm. As soon as you wrap them, mm-hmm. now it's a receipt. Right, right, okay. And even in the most trustless world mm-hmm. where there is no middle party, right, you still have a problem because if I have Bitcoin and I wrap it up into Ethereum, mm-hmm. right, um, w- what happens if there's a bug on Ethereum and Ethereum duplicate, like the fork? Mm-hmm. What happens when the fork happens? And you've got a wrapped. Now I have two wrapped Bitcoin both with claims to this one real Bitcoin. Both of them can't get it. Yeah. Because Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Right? It's like I only got one Bitcoin right here in this yeah. that one UTX set. Is it one key controls this one Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. That's it. But there's two people who have access to it. Who gets it? Whatever is declared for them to Whoever grabs it first. Oh, for but it doesn't real? make it the rightful. Oh wow. And now you have well, this wouldn't huge... Wouldn't you have both sets? Wouldn't you have... Theoretically, but what if they're all tied up in some DeFi shit? What if they're in a bridge that's getting rug pulled mm. at the time? There's all these what ifs. Yeah. Right? And so this is the problem with interchain communication, right? Even if you found a way, mm-hmm. because it's permissionless, how do I know... How does any chain know anything? This is where Cosmos or um, Avalanche or... The one I always forget the oh, name. Oh, Polkadot. Polka Polkadot. I wrote it down. I wrote it down because I was like, he's going to forget it again. I always want to call it again. Polkadot Polygon. And I don't know why. Okay. Just the P. Too many P. Too much P. <laughs> Too much P in the pipeline. Too much P in the pool. <laughs> That's right. Um, this is how they look at it, right? So a Cosmos system says, look it. We're not going to do all that. We're going to build the communication portal directly into the protocol. And so there isn't really this trusted party. All you have to do is understand the... The base code. Now you got to believe in the base code and know that's yeah. there, but it's open source, so if you know what you're looking at or whatever. Yeah. But now, if you have a Cosmos-based system, and we both turn IBC on the interchain communication right. protocol, protocol. You don't have to do the bridges and the. I don't need the bridge because it's built into the protocol. Mm. Or if you're doing Ethereum and you're just believe in the whole all apps are on one chain thing. Yeah. We're not talking about layer two. Well, even with true layer twos, right? Um, which don't exist. There are no true layer twos in Ethereum. There are a lot of things that call themselves layer twos. None of them are really layer twos. I'll write that down for another um, show. <laughs> at this block height, that could be different in five blocks from now, but right now, it's true. Um, how do you, if you're in the Ethereum system, Ethereum can valid, verify all of that. If you're in the Cosmos system, if you're using Cosmos SDK, even though they're all different blockchains, if they all turn IBC on, you mm-hmm. can swap tokens. You can do your Alice NFT for the Nate coin in a permissionless, trustless way, censorship-resistant way, because the chains are built to talk to each other. They all already speak the same language. Okay. They're just in different states. It's just like if you live in Michigan, right, where we are in Detroit, mm-hmm. we speak English. Right? Yes. If you live in a deep rural Louisiana, Mm -hmm. you also speak English. Mm -hmm. We don't sound the same, though. Right. Right? We sound different, but we can still communicate. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. We have a couple different slang words, or the way we pronounce words are different, but we can communicate. Yeah. That's Cosmos. Okay. Cosmos to Bitcoin... That's yeah. you live in America and you're trying to speak to somebody who lives in, like Berlin. Uh, yeah, Berlin or Czechoslovakia. Yeah, oh yeah. Like there is no commonality. You have a huge language barrier and now you have to trust a translator. And yeah. there's a lot of problems when you got to trust a translator. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was going to say. It sounds like the only way like Bitcoin or ETH could talk to other ones is by having the translator but it's interesting that cosmos has that built in that you could put the switch on and um they can they can talk to each other with their different like let's say dialect Mm -hmm. um and then that makes me think one why didn't ethereum do that (laughs) and then two um 
is Cosmos going to be the standard for how, like, did they set a standard for how to solve that problem? I think they're the first ones who really made the idea of an app chain popular. Um, I'm not, I'm not telling you they solve the problem. Yeah. Because there are still potential problems even with the IBC thing. Yeah. And Ethereum didn't think of it because they're not an app chain. Mm. They believe they just believe there's a total fundamental difference in beliefs. In Ethereum, it's we have one one community good, which is the Ethereum blockchain, and one source of truth in transactions, which is the ETH token. That is the truth. That is the universal truth. Because remember, it's all within the Ethereum blockchain. You can make ERC-20 tokens. You can build these dApps, mm-hmm. right? these decentralized applications, whether they, you have their own token or not. You can do all this, but they all work because every single thing you build in Ethereum trusts and utilizes the transparent Ethereum blockchain. And so if you're running some DeFi project on Ethereum L1, and you're running some NFT project on Ethereum L1 and you want to interact, you don't have to trust each other. Ethereum is validating that for you. Right. Right? Right. But that gets expensive, which is why fees take off. Mm. Cosmos is like, well, what if you didn't try to build everything on one platform? You Mm -hmm. let everybody build their own platform and build the communication into the platform so you don't have to have these trusted bridges. Right, mm-hmm. and so the the chains that are taking that approach, the three I know about are Cosmos, Polkadot, look at that, remember, Ooh. and Avalanche, um, and they all approach it a little differently too. You know. Okay, um, they all are doing, they all believe in this sort of different approach and in building this thing out, but they still have problems. Like if I want to do something on Cosmos, that works great for Cosmos. But what if I want to do something from any of my Cosmos chains mm-hmm. on Ethereum? That becomes yeah. another issue because now you have to build another bridge. Yeah, but then that makes me think: like, <laughs> why would you want to do that then? Well, because let's say, let's say you have, a, let's say on Cosmos we find a way to do music NFTs. Okay. And it works really, really good, right? But now on Ethereum, it just mastered um, stable coins. It's mastered how to do, they figured out like we go to DAI, right? Which is, if it goes back more towards its roots, it's um, a, it's a, um, I can't think of the word for it, but it's not backed by dollars, it's backed by Ethereum, hmm. right? So it's not a stable coin where you need a one-to-one of dollars. It uses this pool of goods, originally just Ethereum. So it was very decentralized and permissionless in that sense, unlike USDT or USDC, right? Right. So let's say DAI, you have DAI, and that all of a sudden becomes the prevailing stable coin, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, on Cosmos, I have music. Yeah. On Ethereum, I have money. Right. I want to trade decentralized oh. money for decentralized music. Yeah. How the hell do I do that? I'd have to find a way to bridge the two chains. You couldn't. You couldn't like pay to a wallet. What wallet? I don't. Know. How does that wallet talk to it? Somehow you have to either trust an intermediary. Yeah. Or. You have to teach the chain how to do languages, which is possible, but then you have, like, you could figure out decentralized bridges. There are some bridges that are more decentralized than others. I'll put it like that. I don't know that I would say there's decentralized bridges, but there are some that are much more decentralized than others, right? Um, But you still have the problem of these chains are sovereign. What happens when one of the chains forks? Who does the yeah, bridge that respect? Because, like, you want to essentially, I, if I'm understanding correctly, your example, you're wanting to purchase music, mm-hmm. but this music doesn't understand your money, right? But and even if it, but did, it's still money, and but even if it did understand your money, what happens when the money supply doubles? You don't have any control of that because it's not on your chain. Ethereum forks again, and now there's two of those. Doubling, you mean forking, kind yeah. of? Yeah. Okay. 
or what happens when the music, let's say I bought rights to the music, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm supposed to get a share of every time. I'm supposed to get a royalty off of all yeah. the time the music. But the, the music chain splits. Yeah. Which one is the real song? Do I still have it? Maybe I have both of them, but if I'm doing these DeFi and these other things or it's stuck in a bridge or something else, who gets what? You're making me think so hard right now. Sorry. And I feel like I'm... But I don't, I don't have the answers, and it's <laughs> you don't have the answers. And I will say this: I don't think anybody has the answer. Yeah, a lot of people have solutions. Yeah, but they don't have the answer. We don't know that any of them work. Yeah, it's a really hard problem, which is why it's not just solved, and we just don't do it left and right. People do it, but you you're making trade offs, and I think we've done the episode on trilemmas. Yeah, so that's it, sort of that. Is it a tr is it a problem? that's worth solving? If you believe in that, that there's going to be a multi-chain world, yes. If you think there's gonna be more than one blockchain and that there's utility in those blockchains being able to interact with each other in a trustless way, yeah. permissionless and censorship resistant way, yeah. then yes, it's a problem we're solving. If you believe all blockchains except for your blockchain are garbage mm -hmm. and you know bitcoin's ancient news that's the aol of the yeah. blockchain world <laughs> and ethereum's too slow and expensive and my chain is the one yeah that solves all problems and we don't need any other chains then no it's not an issue for you just live in your chain world and do what you do it doesn't matter they'll all die anyway that's a very that's very mm -hmm. interesting i never really thought of that before because Right now, we're living in a multi-chain world, and mm -hmm. as far as um, in the crypto sphere, um, but if one ecosystem can figure out a, the solution to all of these problems, then it will be a single chain world. Is that correct? That would be correct. But now I want you to just do a thought experiment, you and all of you at home or wherever you are listening to this podcast, do this one simple thought experiment, right? Okay. Think of everything that ever was that you know about in all of time. Right. Now, out of all of those things you know about, how many times did only one ever happen? There's only been one Pepsi-Cola. Nah. Mm -hmm. There's only been one retail store. Nah. There's only been one computer operating system. Right, right. So, like, yeah. There's not even one precious so, metal that we use. Ah, I, gold is it. I got silver. I think silver is it. See, there's so never then, one. So then, so then, blockchains do need to the the do need to be able to talk to each other. So that needs to be. I don't know if they solved. need to talk to each other, but I don't know if that's. I don't have an answer to that because mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know how I feel about it purely to give a hard answer. Mm -hmm. My thing is, there's probably going to be more than one decentralized system that runs off of a blockchain or some kind of distributed ledger system. Because blockchains aren't the only distributed ledgers there are, right? There's more than just blockchains. What is there? Well, that's a whole other episode. Okay, what do I write down for that? <laughs> <laughs> distributed ledgers. Okay. Yeah. Um, blowing my brain over here. So, like, maybe Bitcoin is it and it will do its thing and it's going to be around for, let's say, 5,000 years like gold is. It's not the... And it stays on blockchain, blockchains. Mm-hmm. Let's say Ethereum figures things out, and it's going to be around for 5,000 years. But it's not really used for money. It's used for finance, mm -hmm. DeFi, and trading NFTs, and doing other things, right? The question is, do I, how important is it for me to take my hard Bitcoin money, mm -hmm. if that's the money winner, right, and be able to move that over into Ethereum, to do because that's the value. Yeah. Do I need a way to do that in a permissionless, censorship-resistant way? Or is that an area that I'm okay with? If I'm okay with getting, because I'm already gambling. Once you play finance, yeah. if you're a hard money person, you probably don't even play finance. Right. Or you do a very archaic version of it that doesn't require Ethereum and those complex layers. Because you're like risk. You don't like risk. Because it's risk. risk. And even if you're not talking about Ethereum, if you're a Bitcoin purist and that's all it is, you'll even have layer twos of Bitcoin. But if you're a hardcore purist, even the layer two is a sacrifice. Going from Bitcoin to Lightning Network, mm -hmm. it's not really Bitcoin. Lightning Bitcoin is not Bitcoin Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like Venmo version of 
it's better than that, but <laughs> it's not the same thing. Okay. If it was the same thing, you wouldn't need lightning, right? Right. So it's not the same thing. Um, so if you're a Bitcoin person, it's like, I just want to keep you know, you're the golem of the Bitcoin, like my precious. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to lightning or any layer two. You're yeah. keeping in that there. Yeah. In that case, you don't even need any of that stuff. So I don't know what the right answer is, but if you're willing to give it up, if you're that person and you're willing to give it up at all, do you really care that it's done in a permissionless, trustless way? Or is that an area, I'm willing to give it up anyway, I'm willing to use an intermediary for that. I'm willing to take that risk. So in, in that sense, well, why wouldn't somebody just like sell their Bitcoin, get whatever, like, I don't know, USD, and then buy Ethereum and do something. So I'm saying, you're going to use an intermediary anyways. Maybe that's just the way it is. So maybe you don't need a trustless way. Maybe you just do a bridge. Like, a, and not a DeFi, not the bridges we're talking about, but like, mm. you know, everybody accepts crypto all of a sudden. It's yeah. the way CBDCs fail or whatever. They're still there and they live in coexistence, whatever. I could take my Bitcoin, trade it for a central bank digital currency, and then take that mm. and buy some Ethereum to do what I want to do over there. If you have the permission to do so. If they give you permission to do that because I didn't jaywalk, so I haven't yeah. lost enough social credits. Right, yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's I don't, I don't know, but, you know, it's not... Like everything, there's still Bitcoin. And this is why I always go back to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I'll say it again. If you've been listening to episodes, you've heard me say it before. Bitcoin is the most simplistic form of anything blockchain there is, right? Mm-hmm. It's simple. Anything not Bitcoin becomes more complex, yeah. right? Bitcoin hasn't figured out how to do Bitcoin fully yet. Yeah. We haven't mastered this. Right. We haven't we haven't learned how to walk before we ran kind of thing. Yeah, like I don't know how to stack stones yet. <laughs> but I'm building multi-level mansions. Yeah. Which would be like DeFi. Yeah. And it's like we've just jump so far ahead of what we're technically really realizing. And and nobody wants to believe that because, you know, number go up. But I think Ethereum, regardless of how you feel about Ethereum, right? You can be pro-Ethereum, anti-Ethereum, whatever. Ethereum is the best working example we have of how complex things get. Ethereum changes its plans for how to address scalability and fees and everything else. Like, it's like, oh, sharding is the answer. No, that's not going to work. We're going to do this. Proof of work is the answer, but it's not really going to really start off as proof of stake. But we're going to start with proof of work. But now we got to do this. Yeah. And some of the things they nail, the going from proof of work to proof of stake, and they have saw zero bumps in that transition. Yeah. Zero. Besides, like, inventing Bitcoin and coming up with the concept of doing this in the first place, mm-hmm. that's the greatest technological achievement in this space. The Ethereum merge. Yeah. Huge. Flawless. Yeah. But now they're in proof of stake and they have all this problem with liquid staking. Oh, yeah. And not only liquid staking now, but now you got like restaking. Oh, boy. That's a new one. It's a whole thing that's that even Vitalik comes out and is like, all right, this could probably be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Because it gets complex. We haven't figured out no. Bitcoin. And we're doing all these complex systems. So that's yeah. really my opinion. That's why I don't really have a strong opinion. Maybe we need it, but I'm a little traditionalist in that sense of like, let's figure out how this base stuff works. Or if we, yeah. if once Bitcoin's ostified, like, all right, we got it figured out. We're not making that's more and more changes. That's a long time from now. But that's if you're talking about, if you're talking about speculating. Yeah. Right. And I want to make some more dollars to buy more house and get more goods. And I want to, you know, f- Lambo mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Yeah, it's too long because you're not – it's hard. You're speculating. Yeah. But if you believe in the foundational part, which is why I'm really involved, come for the riches, stay for the revolution. I'm here right. for the revolution part. Mm-hmm. No, it's cool because I'm not really doing it for me. I'd like to enjoy some of the benefits of it. Yeah. I sort of am now, but I'm doing it more for the kids and the grandkids and the grandkids, yeah. kids, kids. Yeah. So it depends on why you're here. A long time for four generations isn't that long. If you think we're going to be around for 30 generations. Yeah. Or more. <laughs> yeah. So lots, that's what it is. Lots to unpack there. That's to unpack there. No real answers. <laughs> I know. Um, but that's 
as is life, right? You don't yeah. always get a solid answer. So chain-to-chain conversations, right? Yeah. Should blockchains communicate or share their secrets? Potentially, depending on uh, what you, depending on you, if you believe in a multi-chain world or a single-chain world. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe. That's the answer. Yeah, Maybe. We're not sure yet. <laughs> Check back in in a couple more uh, block heights. Right. <laughs> but at least now maybe you'll have a little more context to think around that solution. Besides that, it would really be cool, though. Yeah. Because a lot of things would really be cool, though. But as you start to think about them, yeah. like, is it worth it? Yeah. I, that's interesting. I learned I learned a lot. The, the thing about the bridges uh, rug pulling people really kind of blew my mind. Yeah. Maybe I should go start a bridge. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let me know, cause I'll avoid it. I'll yeah. partner with you. Yeah, right, I'll avoid right, it. right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, if you got more questions about this, a maybe check us out on the Black Notes. We might have a couple extra questions for you to answer, or hit us up. Where can I hit us up at? Um, at the Blockument on Twitter, uh, the Blockument on Facebook and YouTube, and theblockument.com. Blockument.com. We'll have some links to some resources. I'll drop in some things about uh, Polkadot, Cosmos, and Avalanche if they want. Yeah, see, I got it Remember down it now. again. Yeah, check me tomorrow. Um, <laughs> if you want to learn more about how they're addressing the issue, um, we'll drop some links about Atomic Swaps, how they're addressing the issue, and uh, any other couple little resources we have. And uh, hit us up with questions. And uh, drop it in the comments or whatever, and we'll see what's what. Yep. Cool. All right. So that's it for now. And until next week, because we're weekly now. So next week, yeah. come for the riches. Stay for the revolution. Stay for the revolution. Peace.